Headlines are designed to grab our attention. So let's play a game. I'll give you the headline, and you tell me the year, okay? Now try not, I'm hoping you are blind as bats and can't read very well. The dates, you know, on the paper. So don't squint your eyes to try to figure it out and cheat on the game, okay? Here we go. All right, Princess Diana and Dodie are killed. 97, very good, all right. Uh, That's an easy one. Oh, one, yeah, we know that one, okay. Titanic sinks. 1912, ex-Beatle John Lennon shot to death, 1980, somebody got it, good, men walk on the moon, 69, Nixon resigns, 74, 74, King Elvis dies, 77, right, Roosevelt wins, by the landslide, what'd you say, Zach? Which time? Smart Alec kid. <laughs> you know. 32. Luke Proctor stuns worse with a short sermon. <laughs> hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. Now, he doesn't know that's up there, so when you see him, just say, saw you on the headline. <laughs> he saw me once this morning and said, what did you do? So, I'm glad. All right. Headlines are meant to capture our attention. You pick up those old papers now, and they've, they've wilted, you know, they've turned yellow. But there's one headline that continues to grab attention around the world, and that's the one we're here celebrating, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And that headline continues to penetrate in all the kinds of dark places around us, in homes, and people's lives, and communities, nations, everywhere. Now, when we read such headlines, any headline, we can choose to ignore the headline, doesn't mean anything to us. You know, we can uh, argue that that's not true. Uh, We can accept the headline as truth. There's many things that we can do with any kind of headline. We can do the same thing with this particular headline. Now, we've been studying the book of Acts uh, for a few months now. We've called this series Move because the Holy Spirit is on the move in the lives of His people. And as He is moving, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is penetrating the crowds and communities. It's taking hold in the European continent and in Central Asia. And it continues today to be the, greatest, the largest religion in the world, one-third of the earth's inhabitants, about 2.3 billion believers, attest to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead based on the evidence that's given to us. And it continues to take hold in the hearts of people. Now, we're coming now to conclude our study in Acts, and so we're going to cover in just a few minutes chapters 21 through 28 because much of it has to do with the defense the Apostle Paul gives about Jesus' resurrection. The Jews had falsely charged him because he had traveled. In chapter 21, Paul is in Jerusalem. He's gone there to meet with James and the elders of the Jerusalem church. And while he is there, some some unbelievers from Asia, Central Asia, come to Jerusalem and they stir up trouble. They start telling lies about Paul. And 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 the, the Jews there start beating him up. And the Romans step in, the soldiers, and stop all of that. And they have falsely charged him. 21.28 says this. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. 
Later in chapter 24, they say against him, We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple. So we seized him. Now, all this was false. But it gave Paul an opportunity to speak. They wanted to see what he had to say in in defense. And he begins talking about the whole story of the preparation of Christ to come into the world. But including in his, his defense, he tells about his own encounter. When he was on the road to Damascus, he was going there to put Christians into prison. He's already seen to the death of at least one Christian that we know, Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And so he's zealous for God. He does not believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but he, he meets him on the road in a vision When Jesus, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting, Paul, and absolutely turned his life, his world upside down. But when he he speaks about that, they shout, rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. Well, that's one way to respond to this greatest of headlines. See, some people deny the resurrection headline. The early disciples were convinced Because Jesus appeared to them in person. We have at least 11 times, we have 11 times recorded in the scripture where Jesus appeared to people. Uh, He invited people to touch the nail prints in his hand. One time he fixed breakfast for some of his disciples and he ate with them after he rose from the dead. On one occasion he appeared to over 500 people at once. Now, the evidence is so strong about the resurrection. Why do people have such a hard time believing that it's really true? There are a number of reasons. Here are three that I think are the most popular. One is some people don't believe simply because it would require a dramatic change in lifestyle. To believe Jesus is Lord speaks immediately into the choices we make and what we do with our lives. And frankly, let's, let's admit it, we don't like to people telling us what we should do and how we should live. We don't like that. Jesus said, this is the verdict, light has come into the world, but men love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. That's why Jesus said the, the, the way is narrow. The one that the people follow to the cross and whose lives, people who bear the cross with Christ. Uh, The the way to destruction is broad and most people will pick that road. Some people don't believe because it means identifying with a negative image of Christians. Some have bought into the the media's uh, presentation of believers or Hollywood's stereotype of Christians being nerdy or hypocritical or boring or shallow or hate mongers. And it's true that we could all look at examples. Sometimes we've been the very examples for the world that we're not all that we claim to be, which is true. But just because somebody doesn't play Beethoven very well doesn't mean Beethoven's a bad composer, right? And the same thing is true for us. Just because we don't always live up to what we believe doesn't mean Jesus did not raise from the dead. Some don't believe because of pride. After resisting long enough, you know it's hard to submit The older a person gets, the harder it is to surrender to Jesus because our hearts get more calloused. And that's just just true. If a person doesn't come to Christ by the time they're 18, the, 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 the chances of them becoming a Christian greatly decreases after that. Pride gets in the way. Uh, pride is the, the problem most of us have in any sin we commit. My, my wife and I get in a disagreement. 
She's usually right, which really ticks me off. And then when I finally admit it to myself, which is hours later, it's days before I'll even tell her that she's right. You know, I see pride in my own life. It's the same thing spiritually. Ravi Zacharias said, a man rejects God neither because of intellectual demands nor because of the scarcity of evidence. A man rejects God because of a moral resistance that refuses to admit his need for God. Now, some people delay the resurrection headline. They don't deny it. They just delay it. At Jerusalem, when, he was, when this riot was starting to happen, they started to beat him. The Roman soldiers came in. Uh, they, were gonna, they started to arrest him. He said, I'm a Roman citizen. They weren't permitted to do that. And he made an appeal to Caesar. He wanted to, and as a Roman citizen, he was permitted to do that. And so he makes his appeal to Caesar, and so they bind him, and they make their way toward Rome, but they stop at Caesarea. Caesarea is on the coast of the Mediterranean. I've been there. It is a beautiful scenery there. If I was in prison, I don't think I'd enjoy it, but it's a great place to be by the sea. But Paul is there in chains. And the scene now is the Praetorian Palace, and, and there be, before Paul, where he is standing in chains, is Felix, who is the Roman governor. He's the Roman governor over Judea, where the Jews live. It's a dramatic scene. As Felix is on the raised dais there, Paul is on the pavement bound, and here is what Paul says in chapter 24. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up the crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in that city. And they cannot prove to you the charges that they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, and I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. You see, the Jews believed at the end of time there'd be resurrection, but they didn't believe in a bodily resurrection, and they wouldn't believe a resurrection would happen now before the end of time. So uh, Felix adjourned the proceedings saying, I'm going to make a decision about you later, Paul. I don't want to decide right now. And a few days later, Felix and his wife, Drusilla, asked for Paul to come back. They want to have further discussions with him. And then the Bible says, as Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid. And he said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. And those words destroyed the life, the hope, the soul of Governor Felix because the convenient day never came. The convenient season never came. As far as we know, Felix never had another conversation with Paul and never made a decision about Jesus. And he went to his grave without any hope, and that didn't have to be. It's the same thing in our culture, in our community, and the world today. A young person, a teenager will say, oh, I want to wait till they get my fun out of my system. Then I'll think about those things. And I've had old people say to me, well, after all my life, I've gotten by by now. I think I'll be okay based on their good works of their lives. It's too late for me. A diseased person. I've had people going through disease saying, well, I don't feel right to come to Jesus now because I, it feels like I'm just using God. 
A wife might say, well, I've got, I've got time too busy with the kids. Or a husband may say, you know, I just think it's my wife's duty to take care of the spiritual needs of our family. You know, a, 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 a scarred person will say, could I ever be forgiven? I don't think so. A business person says, yeah, I, I've got to grow this business right now. It'll have to come another time. There's no more convenient time than the time you listen to what Jesus Christ has done for one sins. When you realize someone has come to save us from sin. Horace, the Roman poet, said three things never return. An arrow shot from a bow, a spoken word, and an unimproved opportunity. Today is a day of opportunity. I don't know all the faith stories that are here. Some are strong in the Lord, strong in faith today. Some are growing in faith. Maybe you're here just because out of tradition. Maybe you're here because of family. Today is the best day because you hear the resurrection announced. Don't delay. Isaiah 55 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. So some people deny the headline. Some people delay the headline. Some people ignore the resurrection headline. After two years in Caesarea, Paul then is taken on to Rome. He's aboard the ship. They have a, a harsh voyage to endure across the Mediterranean. They endure shipwreck. Uh, they're also on the island of Malta where the shipwreck, uh, where they finally landed. There he was bitten by a poisonous snake. Uh, he didn't die, of course. There were all kinds of things that happened against him. There, there, there's a new governor now, and that is King Agrippa. King Agrippa II, he is, he is uh, uh, there paying his respects to Governor Festus, this new governor who's around. He is the great-grandson of Herod the Great, the one who killed the baby boys when, uh, when Jesus was born. And he wants to meet Paul. And so Agrippa and, and Bernice are there, and they come with great pomp and circumstance, and military tribunes are there, great personalities are there, and Paul is absolutely unintimidated. He boldly again defends his position, claiming his innocence. He gives a, his a testimony about Christ, again telling about his experience meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus in a vision. And Festus says at the end of that, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you insane. Uh, I am convinced that nothing of this has happened has escaped his notice. This was Paul says of Agrippa then. The king is familiar with these things. I'll, I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that nothing of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And Agrippa's response, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? So close. So close to the gospel and making a decision for Christ. Like a drowning man who's almost rescued. Or a teenager who's almost home before the tragic accident. Or for the victim of cancer whose chemo almost did its trick, but didn't. So close, but lost. How many could tell that story that are in a Christless eternity today? Now, my question is, 
Um, why Agrippa? Why could Agrippa, king of the Jews, get so close and then not further investigate? He would have been aware of the law and the prophets. Why didn't he, why didn't he investigate further? Let me give you some reasons, I think. First of all, maybe it's because of Bernice's presence. Now, Bernice is Agrippa's sister. And so common knowledge is they are having an incestuous relationship. She's already been married to another Herod who was her uncle. So she's a pretty evil lady. And you know, when you hang around evil people, it's hard to make a decision for Jesus. If your world is surrounded by people who are naysayers and who love evil more than good, who, are, who ignore basic moral principles, it's just harder to get to Jesus. I don't know what your crowd looks like, and I'm not saying we break relationships with people only if they're taking us under. We have to build relationships with all kinds of people and help them to get to Jesus. But if, but if those relationships are taking you down, you got to move away. Maybe it's because of Festus's presence. You know, Agrippa, as a Jew, wants to be in good standing with Rome. He, he doesn't he doesn't want to mess up that relationship. He's, Festus has already called Paul out of his mind. He's insane. He doesn't want Agrippa to, or Festus to say, well, now there's two insane men here. He wants to be on good terms. Again, you know, who's the crowd? You don't want to be marked by somebody who's odd or weird or Jesus freak. And so people keep their distance. Maybe it's because of Paul's presence. Here you are, king of the Jews, you're in the presence of Felix, the Roman government, uh, the governor, and, and here's Paul, a prisoner in chains, and you're going to listen to what advice he has for you, how he's going to lead you. I mean, that, that would be pretty far-fetched for a, a king to do. Maybe it's because of his own heart. Not flawed logic, but just a hard heart, a hardening toward truth. You know, that happens. Jesus says, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Paul writes later in the New Testament that a person could get to the point where they refuse truth long enough that God gives them over to a depraved mind. It means they are unable to respond any longer. Now, I don't know when that point is, and that's not for you to decide or me to decide ever. As far as we're concerned, anybody can be reached at any time. But from God's perspective, there are some people that just grow hardened, and they can't respond anymore. So, Agrippa says, do you think it's such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul says, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. And Paul is saying, look, all I care about is you know the one that I know. I am unintended. These chains do not define me. This prison does not define me here today. You do not intimidate me. I know the one in whom I have believed. I put my hope in him. He's my rock, and nothing's going to change that. And I wish you would come, whether it takes a long time, short time, or a long time. I don't care when, but before you die, I just want you to get to Jesus. That's what he's saying. What a great servant of God. As far as we know, None of these people that Paul encounters in the formal sense came to Christ. But people always were, Jewish people, non-Jewish people, because of the reasonability of the resurrection. There are people, some people, accept the resurrection headline. 
as I said earlier, one-third of the population. So when Paul finally did get to Rome, he spent about a week with some believers there, and then, and then he, he started speaking to all kinds of unbelievers. And the Bible simply says, some were convinced. Some. We've been blessed by Lee Strobel, his life journey. Lee Strobel was an atheist. His wife became a Christian. He hated that she did. He set out to disprove the resurrection of Jesus. And, of course, in the process, he became absolutely convinced that, that Jesus was the Son of God and he was the Lord of life. He had been an editor for the Chicago Tribune, and he said the evidence is overwhelming. When he studied all the variances, he said it has to be true. There's too much evidence. He says, he calls it, there's an avalanche of historical evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. He said, I came to this decision not out of a rush of emotion, but a rush of reason. He sought it out. That's the story of many of us. Here's the story of one person in our church, Reggie. I grew up in a very small town in Ohio. I was the youngest of three boys. A lot of good memories growing up. I grew up in a house, though, that uh, my dad was not a Christian. My mom was a Christian. And I can remember being a, probably a four times a year attender. But uh, probably the biggest thing that I remember is, is not what my dad said, but it was all the things that he didn't say. I was always one of the best athletes in a small school. And with that comes pride and arrogance. And I didn't have a, a spiritual role model to help me understand that that's truly not the life that God created you for. I had a perspective of who of God, not necessarily who he was, but I, I did have a perspective and understanding that there was a creator, but it was, I didn't know Jesus Christ. Graduating college and getting my first job, very much of a fast track, right? So within the first year, promoted. So all that did was build more arrogance and more pride and more self-centeredness. And so I carried all those things into our marriage. And I would say the first four years of our marriage were, were extremely difficult. I, I never learned a, a, a healthy respect for women. And that carried obviously into relationships in high school, into college, but it also carried into my marriage. I began to figure out that I had everything the world told me I needed, but it just seemed like I continued to want more. But there was just this hole. Something was missing in the heart. And the, the things that my dad taught me about hard work, all those things have paid off. Why do I feel so empty? About that time, I think I was really married to my job first. And you can justify that because I can justify it by making a good living, providing for your family. We'd had struggles in our marriage before and that, that had been mentioned before, but this time I could sense that something was different. I just completely missed what she, I, I didn't have time to hear or see her emptiness. She came to me and said she didn't want to be married anymore. And for me, that was, that's, that's when it hit me. Then I had a choice to make. 
but there was just something inside of me that, that said, I, you're, you're worth fighting for. I really started to understand that my life had been all about my needs. The root of my problem certainly wasn't anybody else, it was me. So we sought, we sought counseling. I, I do remember we were in his office. He pointed to, to her and said, you love him. And he pointed to me and said, he loves you. And he looked at me and said, are you ready to give your life to Jesus Christ? That's what you're missing. I didn't know what I was missing. I knew I was missing something, but I had no idea what it was. And uh, it's really where my story of transformation started. Coming up out of the baptismal, a sense of peace that I'd never experienced before in my life. A sense that it was since it was no longer about me, that the love that I never experienced from my dad, because the love of God can only be experienced when you accept and receive it, and, and, and you can't love someone else with selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love unless you've received it from the Father. And it didn't take me more than probably a month to realize that I still have the old self and I have to die to that old self every day because I still had things that, that define who I was up until that point. It's given me a chance to forgive my dad though. I had to make a decision, you know, either blame my dad and other people for my life experience or to embrace it and change the legacy um, and make sure that I pass down a legacy of faith, not a legacy of worldly success. You just see the transformation that God's made. I still don't believe it a lot of days. So I don't know what God has in store, but uh, I do know through this journey that it's, it's, there's been so many blessings along the way that uh, it can only be from God. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for our own changed lives and our own stories that we can tell about the impact that Jesus Christ has made. And I pray, Father, that we're not satisfied where we are in the journey to become like him. I trust that today we understand we're in the process of growing and being who you've called us to be. So forgive us if we have allowed ourselves to be satisfied and we've forgotten the power and the impact of the resurrection of Jesus. And anybody needs to renew themselves today toward that. I, I pray that will happen. I pray for those today who don't know what Reggie's talking about, that today will be a day to come nearer to their own relationship to Christ. We thank you, Father, so much for your mercy and grace upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. The gospel is good news because it's not about what you can do. People say, well, I just follow live by the Ten Commandments. No, you do not. Nobody lives by the Ten Commandments. Nobody can live up to the Ten Commandments. Or I just live by the golden rule. Really? You really treat everybody just like you want to be treated? I find that hard to believe. It sounds good. sounds noble. But we're not as good as we think we are. We are sinners against God. We're rebels. And God did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He made it possible for us to be redeemed by his blood poured out for us. And today, 
I trust today is your day of opportunity to, to move. Just move, whatever move is to you. Deeper in faith, higher in faith, greater in service. Move toward the cross of Christ somewhere. Don't leave here unchanged. I'll be down front today if you want to talk today, even though you can be baptized into Jesus Christ, confessing him as Lord, surrendering as Reggie did, and the rest that so many of us have here today, and be buried in those waters and come up brand new in Jesus Christ, forgiven, adopted his family. Let's stand together and sing.